Um, next up, we have Will Cattle. He will be talking about uh, openness as a strategic advantage. So let's welcome Will to the stage. Hey team, how are we doing? A little bit of energy? Feeling good? Okay. Yeah. Now we're talking. There we are. Um, I guess I can't walk around. Okay, I'll stand here. Um, so, uh, yeah, my name is uh, Will Cattle. Um, I'm here to talk about openness as a strategic advantage. Um, little, this is this is wild. Okay, um, I run a company called Spark Geo. Uh, actually, started at the same time, uh, two months later than Dan. Um, so uh, we're of a similar age, although I'm deeply envious of the success of Film Drop, but it's interesting because Dan really talked about a lot of the things I want to talk about today. Um, and we can use Dan consistently as a really interesting example, actually, uh, of, of the sort of open success. Um, and we'll sort of dig into what that means. Um, so yeah, Will Cattle, I run a company called Spark Geo Consulting, uh, mainly based in Canada, uh, but we also have a team in the UK. Um, I want this to be kind of seared into everyone's mind. Like, I'm not sure if anyone's read Neuromancer. It's not an amazing book, but this is an amazing statement. Um, the future is already here, but it's not evenly distributed. Um, this speaks to so many pieces of the strategic um, sort of uh, foundation of what I'm going to speak about. The future. Obviously, we're all building technology. Tomorrow's technology hasn't been built today, so we're all building towards the future. But it's already here for lots of people. We're, all, we're repeating technology that's been built by other people over and over again. It's not evenly distributed. That speaks to the fallacy of obviousness, i.e., just because I know something doesn't mean that you know it. It's obvious to me. It's not obvious to you. The way I describe something should help you understand what I know and shouldn't be predicated on you already understanding me. <clears throat> and this is, this is important because I often say that geospatial people are really good at building geospatial tools for other geospatial people. And there's a lot more people on our planet who can benefit from geospatial. So it's not evenly distributed. We're building the future. It's not evenly distributed. Think about that and, and always be thinking about that. Um, so this is the corporate overlord slide. I, I once heard uh, Paul Ramsey say that, and I've just stolen it. And it's perfect, because it is. It's like, this is the company slide, blah, blah, blah. That's our company, Spartio. We build stuff. Um, but what I'm here for, this is, this is the important piece of this discussion. Um, I learned this kind of vocabulary <clears throat> um, for strategy and new markets from a, from a guy called uh, Mark Ventresca. Um, but the learning kind of never stops, and uh, the, like, the insights come from, from everywhere, and the observation um, of our markets and of our community, our community of practice. A lot of people call geospatial an industry. I don't think it is. I think it's a community of practice. I don't think we have an industry. Um, so since my first job in geospatial, I've, um, like in 2001, um, a while ago, I've been working with open source technology. Um, I was a spatial modeler for the Macaulay Land Use Research Institute in Aberdeen. Um, uh, we are actually doing remote sensing work. We're optimizing. It's like this is this is brilliant actually because it, it was like a um, 
an agricultural, what we'd call an agricultural big data play, but actually we were using remote sensed images captured from a micro light um, to optimize agricultural uh, crop rotations. It's like ridiculous, micro lights. Do people even do that anymore? Anyway, um, so <clears throat> I've come to the conclusion that um, open technology and open source should be a pivotal piece of literally every organization strategy. And I'm gonna come back to that sort of, uh, that notion in a bit. Openness, I think of as a, an, an, an approach that encourages the sharing of code, data, ideas. Um, it's a notion of accessibility. I'm gonna talk about open source, data, standards, open interfaces, open science, um, open innovation. Strategic advantage is where you have an approach that gives you an advantage over other people around you, uh, other organizations, other individuals, other companies. So you're looking for a way of operating that gives you a difference, that gives you an edge. Um, and this is gonna be like a bit of, it, like for some people in this community, the notion of sort of competition and markets is, um, is a, it's gonna be sort of a slightly friction-inducing um, experience, but uh, this is, as Dan said, the, the business of open source, so we're gonna talk about business. Um, so we're gonna talk about competition. Um, complementary assets. Uh, think about things that enable other things. So in the automotive industry, think about gas stations. Like Toyota doesn't build gas stations, but without gas stations, you're not gonna be driving your car. So the proliferation of gas stations enables the automotive industry. We have complementary assets in geospatial. Um, we have the cloud. Uh, Dan was talking about smart space. We also have smart devices. Like we have billions of people with a GPS in their pocket. And it's like, well, that's a big geospatial opportunity. Um, we have AI and algorithms. Um, even, <clears throat> even a year ago, before large language models became a real thing, we still had AI and algorithms. We had a, a culture of algorithms. And we have open source, <clears throat> open data, open standards. What I'm sort of blobbing together is openness, if you like. So all those things, all those complementary assets um, have kind of evolved. Um, and they've evolved independently. And that's the really amazing thing about complementary assets, is that they do evolve, is sort of evolve independently of each other, and indeed independently of us. But they can provide a distinct advantage. So if you think about all those things that have been happening around us, like access to space is cheap, so therefore there are more sensors in the sky. Like none of us here are running SpaceX, but the fact that SpaceX exists gives us a unique, interesting opportunity. None of us here are running the cloud. Well, actually, there are a couple of people here who are running a cloud. But um, the fact that the cloud exists gives us, as geospatial people, a unique, interesting opportunity. So this notion of modern geospatial, um, which is like a very kind of easy term I, I put together to help me understand things, if we think about it, 10 years ago, all those complementary assets exist, existed, but now they all overlap, which gives us a unique opportunity to bundle new capabilities together. I would argue that what we have available to us now is net new 
from what we had available to us 10 years ago. Right. What we are doing is a, a new industry, a new community of practice, and I don't think we fully understand what we can actually do. I would argue that we're still exploring. Um, so I call it modern geospatial. And one of those key assets is, is this notion of openness, open source, open data, open standards. So like, most people kind of awkwardly conflate these things together. <clears throat> um, and I think it's relatively useful to, 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 to conflate these things because I think that's where kind of innovation happens. And I, I would argue that that notion of, of openness um, kind of, it highlights like the arrogance of closed or proprietary data standards, especially when we start thinking about open standards. I feel like open standards, open minds, they allow us to join things together. If you can join things together, you can innovate. You allow, it allows you to collide ideas. It allows you to collide data. Um, these are, that's the foundational notion of innovation. So this notion of a closed or proprietary, <coughs> excuse me, data format is, is a deep kind of industrial arrogance which implies that we are the best possible outcome, which is, based on our, our initial assertion of the future, by definition always wrong, because the best thing hasn't been written yet. It's, it's going to get written tomorrow. So if, if you have a closed format, then you are, by definition, um, <clears throat> anti-innovative, uh, certainly from a, from a community perspective. So when I start thinking about open innovation, um, I think about openness in general terms being a strategic advantage which sort of binds the other complementary assets, uh, the smart devices, the AI, the cloud, uh, smart space, it all binds them together because you're able to start talking between different, uh, different technologies, different data formats, and you, you get to create the net new products. So. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about open innovation. <clears throat> Two kinds of open innovation, inbound, outbound. Inbound is where you're, you're getting expertise from outside and pumping it into your organization. <clears throat> outbound is where you're seeking um, external feedback on something that you've developed internally. So think about those two things. Um, and it's like kind of an arbitrary way of thinking about it. And it doesn't, you know, I mean, this is like, what? in air quotes textbook way of thinking about it, but it's, but it's, it's also how <clears throat> the community outside geospatial and outside openness <clears throat> thinks about open innovation. Excuse me. <clears throat> so inbound, outbound. It makes sense, like, am I pushing out or am I pulling in? Um, open source, open innovation. I mean, like, you can do these things independently of each other. But it's better as a team, so that's, that's what the slide means. Like, all the movies are better in a group. You can do them individually, but they're kind of awkward, a little bit lumpy, not quite so fun. Um, you get, yeah, so that's stupid slide, but you, you, you get my point. Open source makes sense in an open innovation environment. So the point of open innovation, I feel, is that you get a multiplicative effect. It's a hard word to say when you've had a late night, so hold on. Uh, but it also allows the impossible to happen. Um, 
for outwardly competitive organizations to work together. They can share their resources, they can share their IP, some of their IP, um, and they can achieve something bigger than they could have achieved on their own. There's lots of amazing examples. I'm going to pull two out of, two out of my hat. One is Overture, pretty new. You've got a, all these large, it's like a collaboration of these tech giants and, and smaller organizations who are proposing to tackle a big technical difficulty. Um, it's, it's kind of a pay-to-play model, but it's also an example of open innovation, like organizations genuinely working together in an open environment. And notionally acknowledging that working together gives them a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Um, and, that's, and that's kind of interesting. Each, each of those big organizations has a different marketplace um, and they all notionally feel that they're getting value out of working together. So that's cool. Stack is another place. And it, Stack's also interestingly different in that everyone is agreeing that it's useful for the community to use a common standard. Uh, and, and, and it was the, I would argue, uh, the actual sort of community, the, the, um, the practitioners who came together to create the standard wasn't necessary, and you know, whether it would be sort of government or actual companies, they all came together and said, hey, if we actually agreed on this, then we can all win. And I think that's, that's the, the notional benefit. So if you start thinking about that, and you start thinking about the open geospatial market, you get to this place where, where we have these kind of uh, symbiotic relationships. So open geospatial market, I'm gonna start speeding up because I'm gonna run out of time. Um, the open geospatial market is interesting because of the small nature of most of the major organizations. Like, and, and, and the, like we can frame that a lot of different ways. I, I'm, I'm not including the tech giants in the open geospatial market. I'm, I'm thinking about, um, like, I think there's maybe 10,000 10, individuals. Maybe I'm, maybe, I'm being, um, maybe I'm being unfair there, but I think there's probably about 10,000-ish 10, 10, individuals involved there. But it, if we think about the, the four what, then we have this notion of sort of organizations, companies, and people operating in, in our market. I, I realize it's kind of a Western, like liberal, non-political liberal, like Western liberal sort of view on this. Um, but for us, I think it's, it's important to get that kind of nomenclature out there because we're all trading time for satisfaction or we're trading time for money or we're trading, um, uh, expertise for something, it's, it's a marketplace. Um, and I think there's, the workforce we have available to us is relatively small. Each one, if we're to think about our entire open marketplace, it's smaller than any of the single kind of major kind of defense primes who are also doing a lot of geospatial work. So with that in mind, um, if we consider the absolute number of individuals being small, lots of little companies, each has niche expertise then we start thinking about a fragmented marketplace. We start thinking about the fact that open innovation is an extraordinary opportunity for our community because we can work together and because conceivably lots of groups of people can, can sort of bind their expertise into a much bigger, into a much bigger play. So, um, Oh, I thought I pressed the button, there we are, sorry, excuse me. Um, so if we consider 
where open source code is used and the open geo market is a much, much bigger, of course. So we start thinking about where else it's used, we can start thinking about this notion of smaller companies binding themselves together, serving bigger communities. So open geo is used in lots of pivotal spots, but it's being used by this kind of fragmented, interesting marketplace. So how can we work together? Here's a model for open innovation. If we start thinking about the model, we can start seeing that like, we can work on an open piece in the middle of our business and we can have niche product features on the, on the outside. This is like literally almost exactly what Dan's talking about. Dan's got an excellent example of what I would call an open innovation model where there are opportunities for people to work on a common code base, but he's providing extra value and is investing in the extra value that creates then an amazing business on top of that. Other people might also use that code base and, and do something with big agriculture, or they'll do something with mining, and that's fine. Like pieces of that code base can be commonly shared. And that's how we should think about this. I, when I first started Spartio a long time ago, um, we worked for US tech sector in the most part, going to San Francisco, sitting down and having coffee with people. And I would say, you know what, there's lots of proprietary software, why are you talking to me? And they're like, yeah, but that's cool, but we want to own the IP at the end. And, and that one statement is the open source opportunity for, for everyone in this room. It's allowing people to build big businesses uh, with a common code base in the middle that a fragmented marketplace can conceivably share. Um, which is very important when you start thinking about those common shared code bases and this opportunity to invest and then build bigger things. Because I would, I would argue that a lot of the internet is very repeatable or, or highly repeated, if you like. So we're all doing authentication frameworks, we're all doing this, we're all doing that. We're all using Jira, we're all you know, using different pieces of the framework. So it's easy to see pieces that can be repeated and invest in those pieces. So commercial caveat, just because it's free doesn't mean you shouldn't pay, which is important, because either you need to contribute back or you need to actually pay people. So highly recommend people to jump on NumFocus and pipe some money to GDAL. Highly recommend uh, paying uh, the, 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 the good people to um, maintain QGIS, for instance. Those are important things. Corporations should be good citizens. But we also have to have this acceptance that not all corporations or organizations will be good. And also, uh, we should also have this notion and remember that just because we're all happy people and doing good things with geospatial technology, other organizations might not be. So open source does have that slightly darker side. It enables other people to do, to do things. So we have to be cognizant of that. Finally, I wanted to address this sort of, I think this is possibly the most important piece of, of my whole statement today. The notion of data equity is pivotal, I think, to the benefit of, of an open geospatial community. So when a government or a large corporation spends money on geospatial, they have the opportunity to spend money in, in an open source environment or they have the opportunity to spend money on a, on a license. They spend money on an open source environment, there's an opportunity for um, 
an argument to be made around data equity. And, and in particular, I would, I would point out that those most affected by climate change are those least enabled to uh, respond or manage or monitor in a meaningful way. So if those communities have access to robust data and technology platforms, then there's an opportunity to address an inequity in our society. That inequity can be addressed through open technology by allowing investments made by one major government into other technologies. And then another major government can invest in the same technology, allowing a community to create a data product that ultimately less fortunate governments can leverage. That is, a, is an equity that simply doesn't exist in the classical proprietary software world. And it's an opportunity that people like, like us in this room understand implicitly, but rarely articulate um, at, the, at the most important times in those conversations with major decision makers. Um, so I, I would highlight that from an organizational economic development perspective, when we get the opportunity to have those discussions with those decision makers, we really should be, be thinking about that. So allowing benefit from every dollar spent um, to, to be more evenly shared. Um, ooh, come on, there we are. Uh, is this different from open core? I don't think it's really that different. Um, I would say that the open core model, which I'm sure we're all familiar with, um, has become a little bit problematic uh, of late, and you find that there some organizations kind of move away from this notion of openness over time. So I think there is, I, I think we need to be careful around that, but I, I, I'm highly motivated to um, praise organizations that, that succeed using openness and using open technology. So I'm not necessarily against that, um, that model, but we have to be careful with it. Um, and okay, so finally, um, Bill's getting edgy. He's gonna kick me off the stage. So this is my second last slide. Um, the problems our geospatial community is facing are, are, are too big and too complex to, um, to ignore openness. So our fragmented marketplace, if we are able to team up effectively on robust projects, there is an ability to, to do things that we, we, we simply couldn't do alone. So we need to be thinking about that. But I would also argue that for any company of any size, if they're to think about innovation in a, in a holistic manner, then they need to be engaging with the open community because the advantages to those people are astonishing around diversity of thought. So um, that was my final statement. Um, that's me. Uh, if you want to get more stuff like this, strategicgeospatial.com, Substack, like everyone else, um, feel free to, to find me. And thank you very much. Happy to take questions. Uh, thanks, Will. Uh, we do have some time for questions. If anyone has any questions for Will. I'm going to get my steps in now. 
I thought I saw a hand over here. All right. Thank you. Super cool.